What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast and resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. I have a special announcement for you guys today. Uh, I did not think that this would be ready around this time. Uh, I thought that the process might take a little bit longer, um, but they emailed me actually this morning and said that it was live. We do have SIDcast t-shirts now. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, why in the world does this kid need t-shirts to go? Well, it's through Cotton Bureau. And what Cotton Bureau will do is they'll give me $5 for every purchase uh, of whatever shirt you got. You got the tri-blend. You got uh, straight up logo plastered on there. There are men's and women's tees. Uh, these, this money will go towards hosting costs. It'll go possibly toward uh, getting a mixer, go towards getting a headset, uh, all things on my wish list that I want. Uh, I think that everybody wants to have a podcast, but they don't really want to put the money in that needs to go into it. It's not for free that you get to host these things. It's not for free that we get to be on Spotify and Google Play and uh, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and places like that. That's twenty dollars, actually nineteen dollars if you want to be specific. But nineteen dollars out of my pocket every month uh, that goes toward keeping this podcast alive. And I just figured it was time to one have its shirt come out, which there's only one shirt right now. I promise. I'm, I'm thinking of a couple different designs, but if you guys had anything in mind potentially that that you think would be pretty good on a t-shirt uh, for this show. Just let me know. Uh, you can tweet at me, David Gibson underscore XC, or you can uh, email us anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Uh, but for right now, they are navy. I do like them a whole lot. I was afraid that they would be uh, like a, uh, I don't know, just some regular old cheap thing that you get. But if you go to Cotton Bureau, and I, I always have a hard time spelling Bureau, B U R E A U. CottonBureau.com slash product slash SID cast. It goes straight to our page. And Cotton Bureau usually does like a, uh, 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 I think it's what, like 10 days, two weeks, something like that. You have to sell an X number amount of, of stuff. But it'll take you right there to our tee. We also have sweatshirts and things like that. Again, navy blue. Got the SID cast logo just right on there. Super nice. I'm really happy about it. So, um, Chaz, I'm sorry. I will stop rambling on about our uh, T-shirts that we got coming in. I will talk a little bit now about what we've got going on as far as today's episode. We do have Chaz Dorman of the Penn Quakers and Ivy League school. This was a. Uh, I always admired the Ivy League, um, and I've always wanted to have somebody on. Just to talk about what life is like at a prominent, one of the most prominent institutions in this country, and Jazz happened to be one of them. Uh, Georgetown guy, spent some time up in the Boston area before coming down to Philadelphia. Uh, we'll talk about what life was like, one, getting to Philadelphia, and two, what was going on around move-in week is when we were recording this episode. And then uh, we'll talk about things like life. He's got new twin babies coming out, coming Actually, they're already here, so uh, we'll talk about the balance between that, having your wife also in the department with you. Uh, we'll talk about finding a niche sport a little bit here as um, wrestling is concerned. And uh, We first heard Chaz, I, if you guys are familiar with Jason Bryant's podcast, uh, Chaz was on that to talk about his wrestling experiences, uh, covering wrestling, uh, things of that nature. 
uh, national championship wrestling. Um, I don't know if you guys know that, but Penn's pretty good at wrestling. So if you're big into that, we got you covered. So I will stop rambling on. Uh, rating reviewing is very important. Sign up for our newsletter, sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. You will get to vote and participate in our October event. And that being said, guys, let's get on today. Episode 91 of SIDcast with Chaz Dorman of the Penn Quakers and his very first taste of sports information right here on SIDcast. I started when I was a freshman in college at Georgetown University. I was looking for work study and, uh, you know, wrote for the school paper and and things like that in high school and always liked sports and probably had the typical thought I'd be a journalist story going for me. And uh, so I was at Georgetown and they had a a job open and I applied and Mike Tuberosa, who's the uh, director at Drexel now, so I've been kind of following him around my entire (laughs) life. It seems like uh, he was... He was running the shop down there alongside one of the legends in the business, Bill Shapland, and I got in there and thought it was the coolest job in the world. I was you know, courtside with Georgetown. We weren't the greatest. I, I got there right after Iverson left and was uh, you know gone by the time they made the Final Four, so I was there for some some tough years, um, but you know got caught the bug, and they gave me so much to do with it. You know, when the time came... Uh, you know, I, I was looking for jobs, and Tubes was great. He recommended me to, to Penn and to Temple and, um, you know, for internships, and I was lucky to get offered both and kind of got to make a decision there and um, started as an intern at Penn and been here pretty much ever since. But, yeah, I was down at Georgetown that I got the bug and um, worked at a school called Curry College uh, in Massachusetts for a little bit as well um, alongside a gentleman named Ken Golner where I finished college there. I didn't end up graduating from Georgetown, but finished at Curry and needed something to do. And, uh, you know, so Ken let me keep the book at baseball and, and write some stuff. And again, I had, so I had a couple things on my resume by the time I was looking for, for a full-time gig and latched on at Penn in the fall of 2007 and, and been here ever since. You mentioned that they gave you a, a, a quite a bit to do when you first got that position at Georgetown. What were some of those things? Well, I mean, it was, you know, all the typical stuff of, of research and, and things like that. But, um, you know, we kind of ran a, I don't want to say a budget operation like at football, but it was not big time football. You, you know, it's FCS football, but, um, you know, we'd show up and I was running the stats and things like that. But then the PA guy didn't show up one day and all of a sudden I'm the PA voice of Georgetown football. Uh-huh. And my 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 girlfriend at the time hated it because her dorm was right next to the football field. And so at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays, I'd be, you know, good morning, Quaker, uh, Quaker fans, Hoya fans, and, you know, touchdown Georgetown and things like that. And she's like, will you shut up and, you know, let, let me finish sleeping and my friends and all that. So you like, it got so much experience on things like that. And, you know, being on the inside of a major arena with basketball and big time hoops and things like that, um, that it was just, it was so much fun and the group was so cohesive. And I think that was what I enjoyed the most was being around sports with people I like and my friends and writing a little bit and talking about it. And, um, you know, who wouldn't want to do that for a living? Uh, you know, and I've been, been fortunate to do it kind of ever since. You said that what Mike offered, or not really offered, but recommends you to places like uh, Penn and, and uh, Temple. So the selection process between that, I mean, what did you have to decide between? <laughs> um, you know, it was so 
back then Penn offers, we still have it, a really competitive internship uh, program where it comes with housing, full benefits. Um, it's a 10 month position. Uh, it's renewable for two years where in Temple was more of a grad assistant okay. position um, with no housing and, and things like that. And um, so it came down to basically, you know, affordability for myself of, you know, free rent, for all your benefits and still making a bit of a salary each month um, versus committing to school and committing to things like that. And, you know, if we're in the, the trust tree, uh, you know, it took me about six years to graduate college. So I wasn't exactly confident going right back to, to grad school was the best idea. Uh-huh. I kind of crossed everything off. I was like, maybe I can take some time off from, from classes and, and do things uh, for myself. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good decision to have to make two great schools in a big city and to, for your first opportunity. And, you know, I know I was going to make the right choice with whichever one I did. And clearly after, you know, starting my 12th year at Penn, I think I made the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you always want to stay around Philadelphia? I mean, was that like your really only option? Um, I mean, honestly, like I, the only two jobs I got offered out of college were in Philly, um, you know, and I've had opportunities to, to move around a little bit um, since then. And, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, ended up staying here. And, you know, the biggest one, I think, you know, I love Penn. I believe in, the academic athletic hybrid we got here and um and personally met my wife here she's our head athletic trainer and so we kind of met on the road uh with the wrestling team when we were the only two people that could go out for meals uh during the course of the season and you know so she's local and she's got a job here and so things change you know when you're one or two years in and it's just thinking about yourself you have those dreams of chasing around the country but then you get to a point where you know it's and it's not settling but you're like all right this is my life i'm invested in making this place my career and um so it's been i've been really fortunate to be able to do that and um but you're always you know kind of looking around and, and seeing what's you know is there challenges around the country and right now to this point there hasn't been one that's made me make that step um you know and i love the role i've been able to develop here at penn and they've they've you know and appreciated my work enough that it's like, all right, I get to kind of create my own position and my own track here. And that, that it doesn't come along too often over the course of your career. You uh, worked your way up through Penn, essentially. Uh, you started as an intern. L- let's start at the very beginning with that internship. What were some things that maybe you had to pick up on uh, super early on other than doing some PA stuff and running stats like you've been doing? Uh, you know, the, the hardest thing for me was the design and layout stuff. Um, Cause you know, I, my boss, uh, you know, Mike Mahoney, he's been doing this for, for 25 years. And so he always likes to tell the stories of how the business has changed. But I think I'm in a weird spot myself, like of 12 years, because I learned how to do facts back and how to do all these different things. And then, you know, by the time I was really getting into the profession, you were using InDesign and Quark and Photoshop and was just really starting. But, um, you know, so I, I didn't have to do any of that as a student, obviously, you, uh-huh. were, you know, and so you come in and now it's like first day on the job here. I right, need to finish the field hockey media guide and I've never opened cork in my life. <laughs> uh, you know, now we use InDesign. So try, how, learning all that type of stuff and the preciseness of, of laying things out. And I, you know, I honestly, I'm not a professional in that regard, uh, you know, or, a, you know, a, a skilled artist in InDesign and things like that. I can get done what I need to. Um, we don't use it as much a pen anymore. We don't do media guides really in the Ivy League. So um, the InDesign aspect of things is kind of phased out for us. But that was a, a big shock. And um, and I think having those one-on-one relationships with coaches, because, again, when you're a student, you're behind the scenes most of the time. And you don't have to have the negative conversations. The boss always takes those on and you know for us when we do things here for our internships you are the 
the SID for that sport. So I'm there with, you know, at the time, field hockey and baseball and, and wrestling and gymnastics, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And so if the coach needs something and I don't, you know, we, I got to sort through that myself, just like my boss did for hoops and, and the other people did for basketball and things like that. So those are the two big things I think that were shocks for me and that I had to kind of work my way into. Now, working your way up the ladder, what was life like? How has it been for you just to kind of work from where you were at as an intern all the way to now you're covering uh, Ivy League football, Ivy League wrestling? Uh, can you spare no detail? Sure. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was, um, you know, I don't want to say a challenge, but it was kind of weird because I was a little bit older than our interns usually are. Right. And, um, you know, thinking a little bit further ahead already about life and family. And, you know, I wanted to take on as much as I could right away to maybe skip back a couple steps or get a couple steps ahead of where I, ha- I might've thought I should be in my career at that point. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough that, so my first day on the job, one of our associate directors says he's leaving um, to go take a full-time job at a D3 school. And so that threw everything off kilter and probably to my benefit in the long run, because instead of having five people, we had four. So things are getting shuffled around. And I ended up working with wrestling, which is one of our, you know, top sports in terms of ticketing and draws and, you know, we national champion wrestlers and things like that. So that's a major responsibility. Um, and our interns normally don't get afforded that. And so I'm taking on, the actual day-to-day of, of a major sport and I you know I think that helped me catch up as quickly as I would have liked um, I applied for that associate position at the end of my first year um, got to go through the interview process and wasn't hired um, you know and I think I think that showed you know to our bosses here that I that didn't you know defer, deter me from from keeping on in my job I came back from my second year as an intern and you know worked great with the guy that was hired named named Eric Dolan he's out at Stanford now he's one of my best friends in this profession we shared an office ultimately for like six years and it was always like I was the finalist for this position and so were you you got it and there's no animosity there um you know and, and I got to work with him and learn and when he ended up moving on to Stanford I slid into football and because he let me help him for for a number of years there and so you know again it's we're, we do a good job of kind of giving the ownership to the interns um and i think that allows you to be ready for that next step our track record with interns moving on is really good um you know and so it's just you know i think i became really reliable as somebody that could handle a lot and and produce and um and not be deterred by talking to quote-unquote adults like head coaches and the media and have those that personable relationship ability that um really can get you ahead you know, in our city and with our media and in our, you know, administration. Before I move on to my next question and changing gears here a little bit, uh, how are you going to describe what you do to your twins? <laughs> um, you know, short answer, you know, get to go to sporting events for a living. Um, long answer, you know, put the phone down. That's how daddy does his job. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy. Like even now they're at seven months and they'd see me on my phone all the time. They reach for it. You know, they're they're grabbing at it and they know it's important to me, which is for better or worse. But, um, you know, they it'll be interesting because, again, my wife's our head athletic trainer. We both work with football, so they're going to be around it already and, and a lot in their lives. And hopefully they get to have that excitement about it, that um, about sports that, that I had at a young age. And, and we all kind of tend to do in this business. But, you know, I think they're going to really appreciate the artistic stuff, the, the you know videos and the gifts and, and the creative things. I don't know they're, they're going to quite get game notes and <laughs> and recaps and things like that but um yeah, i think it'll just be like hey you want to go to go with daddy to work today and it's 
we're going to a football game and they're going to think that's hopefully the coolest thing in the world because I do. <laughs> uh, I talked to a lot of SIDs um, that did meet their wife through their work. Uh, what was life like for you because trying to really date somebody that was w- within the same department as you? Um, you know, it's it never felt like awkward at all, right? Okay. You know, like that there was um, anybody kind of thinking it was weird and, and all that. But, um, you know, it was, it was funny because, you know, we're, we didn't start really dating until the the end of wrestling season. So we'd known each other for about seven seven months or so. And for about a good four months or so on the road, we didn't talk to each other. And, and I tell, she knows this story, and I tell everyone, you know, that this, because, like, I used to be roommates with the, the first trainer that I was with that had, and I really liked him, and he left, and, you know, I didn't like, that I didn't like this new girl because she wasn't Keith, right? You know, yeah. Keith and I were buddies on the road and all that. I'm like, now I got a girl. Like, she's not going to want to go out and do things. And then, you know, we're on the bus back from Penn State. Um, we just beat Penn State in Rec Hall and wrestling, which was huge, um, you know, at the time. And it still is huge to beat them there. But, um, you know, we're, we go and we're getting off the bus to go get food. And we're the only two that want to go to McDonald's. So we go and we get shamrock shakes and we start talking and, um, it's the weekend of the Daytona 500 and I'm a NASCAR guy and turns out she's into NASCAR and I'm like, Whoa, okay. Like, you know, <laughs> turns out, she, turns out she's into ice hockey, played ice hockey. I grew up playing ice hockey. I was like, there's a lot of interesting, you know, commonalities here. And so over that final month of the season, we just got to know each other a little bit and, um, it developed from there. And, you know, the, the wrestling team was really good with us. The coach loved it. He was at our wedding and, you know, would give us, you know, grief all the time on the road and, um, um, you know, and the department was great. Um, and honestly, I think it was probably the best for me in terms of having a relationship at the time, because those long hours of work were spent with somebody that, you know, I really liked obviously. And, and, um, but they, the things you might miss out on having those questions in our business of, do I stay late? Do I go on this road trip or do I spend time with, you know, my girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it might be. I didn't have to make those decisions because those long road trips to Oklahoma or to Iowa, you know, I was with her and we got to kind of all the wrestlers could do their thing and we could go to dinner and we could, um, you know, get to know each other. And that was, and we never felt like we were missing out. And it's only been, you know, we've had been fortunate to have overlapping assignments pretty common, commonly through this process. And, um, you know, there's new wrinkles thrown in with having to manage two children now, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're figuring that out. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just nice because she understands when I go get home from work and I need to blow off some steam. She saw it herself. She's, she, and then she, I know who she's talking about. And, um, you know, it's, we do, we've been trying a lot more now to not only talk about work, um, having kids helps with that, but, um, you know, it's, it's just nice that those long hours are spent with someone you actually really deeply love and, you know, and they, they strengthen our relationship. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic because like you just said, you know, sometimes SAD's got to come home and they're like, they want to turn off work or, or they have to describe or explain why they had to stay late or why they had to go on a road trip. You don't have to do that, which is, I, I guess no. it's kind of nice because you got someone who understands, but uh, let's, let's change our thoughts here to wrestling. Um, I was kind of introduced to you uh, by Jason Bryant, who, who does a, a wrestling <laughs> podcast and he dropped name dropped me and name dropped the show. Um, you found your niche in wrestling. Uh, yep. How did that come about? Um, and what's it been like covering a, a national championship caliber team? Um, you know, it, again, I I think I alluded to it earlier, but, um, you know, so wrestling was always kind of one of our full-time position sports here. And that person left during my intern year and 
they needed someone to go with them on a trip to Arizona State over Christmas break. And I was more than willing to do that, um, you know, and A, because Tempe in December and January sounds a lot better <laughs> than Philadelphia or Boston where uh-huh. I grew up um, in terms of weather. And I knew that it was something different and, uh, you know, important. Um, and I never really had a big road trip with the team. And, and I was, you know, willing – I never – didn't wrestle, never been to a wrestling match, big pro wrestling fan, um, was told that doesn't matter and to not use the pro wrestling terms in any of my stuff. But, um, I still sneak it in when I can, but, um, <laughs> you know, so I made that trip to, to Arizona state and, um, you know, and it just kind of took it off from there. Um, you know, and really, really took to it. I, I grew up playing ice hockey, uh, still play on a couple teams to this day. And, you know, I think I've always appreciated, sports of a little bit more physical nature, I think, um, you know, that's why I work with football and lacrosse and, and wrestling. And that's my wheelhouse, I guess, if, if, if you want to say, and so I understood, I appreciated the intensity and, and really took to that. Um, and if you've listened to any of Jason Bryant's shows or talked to anybody in our business that works wrestling, the first time you go to the NCAA championships and experience that, it's unlike anything else. And I've been at that point as a fan to NCAA hoops, to frozen fours, to a lot of things. Um, but that the noise and the energy in that building at the NCAA wrestling championships is really unlike anything I've ever experienced. Uh, and I, and I am reminded of that every year when I go. And so that was kind of the final, you know, piece for me of, all right, I'm working a really cool event here. Um, you know, and, and, and I want to be a, a part of it and guys like Jason and, and, um, other SIDs around the country, you know, are really good at explaining the intricacies of the sport. Um, and, and so I was able to catch on and just able to, like you said, kind of find my niche and, you know, got a lot of freedom from our coaches in terms of running the Twitter account, um, allowing my personality to mesh with the sport, to have fun, um, you know, and, and I knew, so we had had a national champion in 2006 and 2007 individually, and he graduated and we weren't quite at that level, but we wanted to stay in the conversation. Uh-huh. Um, and so I knew that, being a you know having a strong Twitter presence would allow that to happen, and we're in the top fifteen among followers of NCAA wrestling Division One wrestling accounts, and like you look at that list and it's all the Big Ten and and the Power Fives of wrestling world and gotten like teams with national champions and then there's like Penn and it's like well because we're really you know like we we're one of those things is not like the other in terms of successively um, you know we're getting a lot better and we got we got some strong recruiting classes coming in so I'm excited to put those two things together but you know the, the voice of, of our account and the personality I've been able to bring to it I think has resonated with the wrestling fans. Um, because I don't take the whole thing too seriously. Um, you know, they're long days and the sport is interesting and, and has weird moves and names and things like that. So you, you got to have fun with it. And I think that, that for us recruiting wise shows that we're willing to, to not be a stuffy Ivy league school where, um, we're creative, we're funny. You can come here and have a good time and, and succeed on the mat in the classroom and all that. I understand we're trying to sell an experience as well, but you know, I get to kind of have fun with it along the way. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting when I get to meet the guys on the team, like for the first time, they're like, Oh, you're the Twitter guy. Like we love it. <laughs> yeah, like that's, uh-huh. you know, like we love following you. And that's one of, like, it was one of my favorite parts about Penn. And I'm like, this is, that's really cool for me. Yeah, I like what you said about meshing your personality with social media. How, how do you think uh, an SID out there might be able to break away from, from the norm, from the, you know, top of the ninth, us, them type of scores to where you can show a little bit more personality in them? Um, you know, I think first and foremost, you have to, 
kind of know that that's okay to do whether you know first off inside yourself of like it's okay to do that but then also talking with your coaches and, and your boss if, if you're not the guy in charge at your office of you know is this what we want to be on twitter um and you you honestly like you have to have it in you i think one of the things that that people get caught up in now is that you have to be like that we've all seen the accounts that that have success you know i think we do a good job wrestling a really good buddy of mine at dartmouth pat salvis runs their hockey account and um and kind of you know i like to say they're the pen wrestling of college hockey um and he hates when i say that but um, <laughs> you know but like they're they have a really good personality um you know and there's other teams that that, that come along the way but you need that needs to be inside of you first you can't fake that um if you don't have it if that's not who you are don't try to be there because people will see through it. Um, but at the end of the day, sports are fun. Um, you know, they're, it's a, it's athletics. It's, it's the energy the fans are having. Why can't we have that too? Um, you know, and if your sport's all about that and your school is, and you kind of have the okay from above, it's all right to dabble in there. I don't think you need to be vindictive and, um, and rude about it, but being, you know, we, we try to do as much as we can. That's talking positively about us or making fun of ourselves or the generalities of the sport and not picking fights with wrestlers or schools or teams, you know, outside of maybe Princeton or, or somebody like that. We'll, we'll pick fights with them, but that, that are our rivals. But, um, you know, they think like, even then, like they're, we kind of know when to say when and when to, um, you know, kind of pull it back and all that, because, you know, you don't want to, don't want to ruin it by going too far um but i think you know it's i think ultimately yeah like i said you, if it's in you and, and it's in your school take advantage of it have fun you're going to grow your followers but then you, the problem is i think maybe like umbc might be seeing that a little bit right now is like if you if you jump in there you got to be that like all the time you yeah. don't want to like go back and forth and let your fans know that or not know who's who you're about and what you're all about like so it's 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 easy to be entertaining for three days in march i'm sure zach could say you know and i and i haven't talked with him you know so i don't want to speak for him but i bet he's probably saying okay it's it's a little bit more difficult to be that all the time Mm -hmm. now um as the face of an organization versus maybe umbc basketball um because now umbc athletics speaks for soccer field hockey football everything like that so how do you you know how do you temper that when you're just trying to say we lost today or we won or whatever so it's it's a really a difficult line to walk yeah absolutely and you mentioned some of the ranking things some of the things that maybe uh, people might try to pick fights uh people might try to compete over one another um we might see that here a lot in the profession with, with the way people produce content the way with people uh, maybe might force that narrative a little bit. Um, what, what's the best way that we can kind of avoid that? Because it, it could really damage your career. Is, am I correct in saying that? I think so. I think you can either be typecast as something like that, or you know, you can get, um, you know, like people are just like, okay, like that guy, that guy goes, that guy or girl goes too far, um, you know. And you know, I think again, it's it's supposed to be fun. Um, it's not supposed to be, you know, egregious and, and things like that. And it's about, you know, understanding we're still professionals and we still represent, you know, in our case, a 300, you know, year old institution, you yeah. know, founded in 1740. So there's a long lineage of this place that we do represent and we have to be appreciative of that and understanding of it. And, you know, we're not a professional team. We don't like we still, you know, we're still in this college you know, for us, Ivy league sphere. And, um, so there's things we can't do that the pros can do. And you just need to understand that and know that that's not our sandbox and, and not to play in. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we switch gears to some of the fun questions I like to ask, I've always won. We've never really had anybody from Philly on. So uh, I, w- I want to ask this. It's, describe the Philly sports dynamic. Now, now we talked a little bit off air about some of the traffic issues that you and I have had, and, and we, you mentioned that <laughs> Penn's move-in day is two weeks before Drexel's move-in day, and Drexel's right around the corner, so you get caught and everything. But uh, describe that dynamic. I know you guys uh, – the, the basketball tournament is – I don't know what I'm talking about, so why don't you just go ahead and <laughs> so, uh, describe that? I mean, Philadelphia is amazing. I grew up in in Boston, and thought, you know, and I still believe Boston's one of the best sports towns in the country. Don't get me wrong, but um, moving to Philly, I felt like I kind of just moved to a very similar place uh, because we have all four of the quote unquote major sports teams. We got an MLS team, um, and then in terms of colleges, there's six Division One universities in the city and there's 30 35 division two and three schools like around here and so there's always stuff going on and sports is ingrained in the culture here um and for us and as in that college athletics it's great because a you have a lot of opponents within whether it's walking distance or the subway distance of of our university i mean you alluded to drexel penn and drexel are less than a half a mile from each other uh you know we share some city blocks and so when we play play them in hoops or we wrestle it's the shortest road trip in division one sports we walk you know it's crazy <laughs> um you know and then we have what's called the big five for for hoops with penn villanova lasalle temple st joe's and that's you know 50 plus years old and it's this amazing round robin of, of college basketball and you know villanova's won two national titles in the last couple of years and you know penn we've been at penn we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of our final four team uh this year and we've all had varying levels of success and it's just such a great hoops town and the palestra our home gym is is a cathedral of college basketball is what we call it and you know we're fortunate to host amazing games here um you know this coming year we we get to we're in the Ivy League. We're quote unquote mid major in hoops, and we're hosting Villanova at the Palestra, the defending uh-huh. national champs. And that, ironically, we did it the last time they won our home opener. The next year was against Villanova. Like that's crazy to get to have that experience for what we are. Nobody else in the Ivy League gets that um, term, type of home game. You know, we'll have three or four of them over the course of the year, and so it keeps those en- that energy flowing of you know, yeah, we are th- we're the Ivy League. We're mid major. We're not Power Five. We're not playing in the college football playoffs, but we get to do some amazing things. We host Penn Relays, the world's largest and oldest track and field uh-huh. meet going on 125 years every year and i'll probably get into that with one of your questions in a little bit about the craziest and and most ridiculous moment of my career but um you know like so just it's you know when the eagles won the super bowl it was like the worst experience of my life because i'm a patriots fan Uh and i i wanted my friends to have a positive experience and but not at my expense. you know yeah. expense um and so it's been terrible like just turning on the tv or walking around the country i went to a phillies game the other night and i look over and there's the big super bowl champions banner and it's just like oh yeah that's right like <laughs> you know it just drives you crazy but like i remember still i'm able to step back i think and have that you know understanding and from what we do of like yeah that was really sad for me and as a fan and didn't like it but i was really happy for my friends and knew how much it meant to the people in the city to get to experience that and the moments we get to do that from from penn as well like resonate so much more because the people around here are very happy when we have success uh, let's talk a little bit about how you might publicize your teams like you mentioned you you and your staff you're competing against six, five other Division one teams here in town, forty some odd. Division two, II, Division three plus. You got professional teams in town. How do yep. you guys, you know, maybe strategize or how do you do it all? Um, you have to pick your spots. 
you know, I think that's what we do pretty well here. We don't blanket the reporters in the city with our press releases. Um, you know, we know who has the beats for our varying sports. But we're not doing the type of thing where after every soccer game, we're sending out our recap to the Philadelphia Inquirer. They get our score. They have a section in there that they just want to list the scores. And, you know, and I think they, the people around the city know if we send them a direct email or if we call them or text them, it's, it's important. We're not wasting their time. We know, you know, if you're the college basketball columnist in the city, you got six schools to please. Like, you know, we, we're, we're going to come at you when we have something for you um, because, you know, and it's just not going to happen. We understand that. We know where we rank, um, you know things were going on in late January, early February last year. And we'd have to go to the, you know, people in our administration thing, like, it doesn't matter. Like we know this, like if, if this can wait, it needs to wait because no one in the city is going to care. Um, you know, and, and here's like, that's okay. But we know when we get, if we win the Ivy league hoops and we're going to March madness, like, they're going to care. And we're going to produce when that happens. We're not going to be off the radar when, we're in March Madness or we have a football player that is going to get drafted. Like we're going to be taken care of there. And, and we produced at that level. So we've built in the equity with our bosses that we're not going to, yeah, the field hockey team's not going to have a feature like about their season, but when our player breaks school record, we're going to get her on the radio and on TV and around the country, around the city. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last question before we move on to my fun questions here. Uh, you and I talked, I don't know, was it like a couple months ago, right after Cosida? And did you know that, well, first of all, your, your phone number is dangerously close to the voted number one dry cleaner in the last 40 years. So That's, that's, my, that's my alter ego. <laughs> uh, you know, that's how I keep things afloat here. Yeah, awesome. So you guys are starting a podcast. Uh, why that's do you our, think it's our plan? Yeah, why do, you, why do you think it's important? Uh, you guys got all the equipment and everything. How's it going? Yep. Um, you know, it's getting there. We're, we're still in the conceptualization stage. Um, you know, in all, all honesty, it was on our agenda last school year and didn't happen for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, staffing changes. I think we all we all go through that where you have these great plans in July and August. And then in November, we lose one of our full time associates. And then in December, we lose one of our interns and we promote one of our interns to the full time associate role. And so instead of having six people, we have four. And I know that sounds it's probably going to be a, a crazy problem to some other people, but we have 33 teams. And so, so that's hard to cover, you know, and everything. And we're having success on the actual game stuff. So you can't add in these other pieces as much as you'd like. Um, so we're hoping this year we have things in place on that staffing end that we can tell our story. Um, our goal when we sit down with our coaches and our athletes at the beginning of the year is to pull in, all of our ideas. What did you do this summer? What are you majoring in? Do you, have you overcome some adversity? Can you juggle? Are you a magician? What do you got going on? And then we've got so many different ways to tell that story. And where does your story fit? Um, and, you know, honestly, we're looking at, like, this is a Hall of Fame year for us. Um, we have the 40th anniversary of our 79 Final Four team. We're coming up on the 125th anniversary of Franklin Field and the Penn Relays. So we have a lot of historical things that we think the podcast genre might lend itself to in terms of telling great stories about historical moments in Penn Athletics history. And we also think we have some really interesting and, and talented uh, you know, student-athletes that we could give them an opportunity to tell their story a little bit in a longer form than a 90 second video, because that's how much, how long a video has to be before people stop listening. If someone's going to listen to your podcast, they're probably going to commit 
the time to tell a story properly. Um, and so we're, we're interested in exploring that and testing it out. Um, we're in the Ivy League, so we're nerds, we're academic. We'll, we'll do different lengths and different, you know, different genres and different styles and see what the people are, are listening to and have a couple different hosts and, and try it out this year and, and then pull all that data in and, and uh, you know, and go from there. Yeah, awesome. Well, that sounds great. I think every school should start a podcast, uh, personally. I'm just, <laughs> I might be a little bit biased there. But uh, let's transition to some fun questions I usually sure. like to ask. So first one I have for you, Chaz, is um, your, your uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure. Um, you know, my favorite memory is probably um, – you know, my first football season with Penn, um, you know, so it was 2016, uh, you know, full-time Penn and, uh, you know, you kind of taken that big step into a, you know, a major marquee sport and we go on, we win a, a piece of the Ivy league title. Um, and we were playing our, our senior day game is national television, uh, NBC sports network against Harvard here at Franklin field. And there's just so much going on. It's senior day. We're celebrating the hundredth anniversary of our Rose bowl team from, you know, from a hundred years ago, obviously. Uh, so we've got ceremonies about that and it's Harvard. We'd lost the week before to Princeton, um, to, you know, to kind of put ourselves behind the eight ball in terms of the league. And we, we just had a great game. We had two defensive touchdowns, um, which are always fun to see the, the big guys, you know, interception and fumble and return. Um, and then, but Harvard comes back and, and, you know, so we're in the balance here leading in, you know, going down the final, the final minute, you know, we're right at the end zone and, our quarterback, Alec Torgerson, throws the quickest slant pass I've ever seen to Justin Watson, who's now with Tampa Bay. You know, a two-yard touchdown pass, nothing really pretty about it from the – but I was right there. It happened right in front of me. I got my phone out and, um, you know, got this great angle of it. And, you know, we win on national t- TV on on senior night, um, and we went up to Cornell the next weekend and and, and handled them to, to win a championship. I was – you know, again, it goes back to – with my wife, who's the trainer, we're putting on championship t-shirts together, you know, we're getting rings together. Um, you know, that was a really cool moment. I think, um, to feel like, all right, I, this is why I do this. Um, it checked off all the boxes. And, and I just remember that, that moment, cause my stomach was you know, <laughs> knots on the sideline because this whole thing was in the balance and, and we came through. Um, that was a really, really cool moment. And the other one was this past year, um, with women's lacrosse, we were at playing Penn state, in the NCAA tournament, um, in at Stony Brook, crazy game, and we go to overtime, and you know again, I'm just nervous and throwing up in my stomach, you know, the entire overtime, and we have a freshman scores a really nice goal out of a timeout to win the game, and they'd beaten us in the tournament two years before to knock us out of the quarterfinals, and so that was a really cool moment of you know passion and, and excitement and feeling proud for the girls that they had, they had played well, um, you know, and again, why you do this for those amazing celebrations you get to be a part of. Yeah, what about on the other side? What's your biggest horror story? <laughs> um, horror story, I think, um, you know, we've all had the, you know, printers not working and scoreboard not working and, and things like that, but what my horror story is probably interesting because it also became like one of my like favorite like rallying triumphs i guess um you know so my my first year full-time at penn in in 2009-10 i'm working as the media relations director for penn relays um which is you know it's just busy in and of itself but yeah we have a deadline for credential requests like most events and it's you know like april 7th for the sake of argument um 
where we, you know, I take all the requests and approve and deny and, and all that. Um, so that passes, and I kind of think, have things under control. And then three days after that deadline, we announced that Usain Bolt is going to run at Penn Relays. Um, wow. And so, so it changes the entire meet. You know, it's no, I mean, it's still a great, it's always a great meet, but now it's like the fastest man in the planet, the biggest draw on track and field is coming. And so instead of the normal two to 300 media people that are there, I have as many requests like after the deadline as I did before. And I have a media room that ultimately honestly sits like 70 people that I somehow get 200 in. And now how am I going to manage that? How's everyone going to get what they need? How do I coordinate the press conference that this person's going to need and, you know, and all that. And, you know, so again, it's my first time doing it. So I don't have a playbook to work off of, which may have made it a little bit better to just kind of wing it and do what I want and, mm-hmm. you know, go from there. Um, I think everything went off, you know, without a hitch. The people at USA track and field are great. The people with, um, with Usain were great of, you know, coordinating some things and keeping him off site as much as possible to quell the crowds. But, um, you know, I'm just trying to wade into managing this, this 120 year old meat and and all that and i get the biggest draw in the sport dumped on me like a week out from the meet and you know how do you you got to roll with it and i you know and because i look back at that every time anything seems to be going wrong and say all right like i've handled what i consider to be one of the biggest curveballs i can ever get and came through the other side so don't don't freak out here because live stats aren't working like settle down breathe like and if live stats don't work, they don't work. The game's going to happen. The meet's going to happen. Whatever. Like it's yeah. You, know, you you want to have it going on, but like you know, at the end of the day, like the game's what's the important. The experience of the people there, and you know, you got to be able to adjust and adapt. And um, we might be the only person that knows something's going on. So if we can keep ourselves composed, we'll find a solution. Uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going to this profession? Uh, you know. Be available. Um, you know, I, I think everyone's available when the basketball team's playing for an Ivy League championship or the football team is is rolling down the stretch on national TV. Um, but you know, be available when we have a gymnastics meet. Be available when we have softball in the second week of March and it's cold and rainy and, and things like that because you're gonna you're gonna get almost more one on one attention from our, from the full time person there of you know here's what's going on. Here's, here's like actual things to do and not just run a piece of paper across to the radio guy across the way. Um, you know, so, so that's where I, f- I feel like I got the best was by going to baseball and, and soccer and things like that, you know, and learning how to manage those sports, um, you know, and getting to know the, my boss a little bit and getting him to know me. So when I needed a recommendation, you know, four years down the line, he knew who I was as a complete person, not just the kids sitting next to the copier all the time, uh, you know, and, and ask questions, want to do more. Don't be pigeonholed or typecast into the, well, that's the, that's the timeout coordinator. If you want to have a crack at running our Twitter account, or you want to do snappy TV and cut video and, and you want to manage the Instagram stories, let me know, uh, ask. And, you know, we're going to, there's always, again, we have 33 teams. So on a like crossover season, there's like seven or eight things going on at once will gladly give you the keys to something and let you test it out. Um, but sometimes we're not going to be able to ask you that because it is busy. So step in and, and ask us those questions. What's uh, some traits or characteristics that make up a good SID? Um, you know, I think, I think attentive, you know, kind of being able to take in the entire situation around you, what, you know, knowing, 
anticipating that something might be going wrong before it does, you know, being able to plug that hole is really good. Um, you know, don't just get so caught up in your head being in stack crew that you don't know, um, you know, that there's something's wrong with the scoreboard or that you don't know that, um, you missed this milestone goal, getting it out there because you were like, I got to get the stats done. Um, I think that's important. Um, I think, you know, being personable and I, I know that, that can be a challenge at times of, you know, there's so much going on. You don't want to stop and talk to people. Um, you know, it's, it, you feel like, like I got to get on to the next game or the next release and things like that. Um, you know, we're in this, we're in the storytelling business. Um, and you got to listen to find those stories. Um, you know, I'm down at football practice today and our kickers, like, you know, I talked to him last night about, I'm here to help them grow their brand, um, whether it's to be an NFL player or to get hired and things like that. And our kicker comes up to me and says, all right, I want to be known as the smart Ivy League kicker. How do we do that? And I was flabbergasted that somebody listened to what I said the night before and now wants to, to do it. So I'm like, all right, tell me about you. What's your story? Uh-huh. What do you have besides being a smart kicker? Like, why? <laughs> um, you know, and so we're going to work on that. Um, but I think, you know, listening and being adaptable are, are the two things that they are maybe not always known because everyone knows you get a be able to write no sports and things like that like I, th- I think if you can get off the the stat sheet and and be a, a somebody that can be relied upon by everyone else in your department you'll you'll go very far in this profession uh what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession um you know i think you know we talked a little bit about podcasts um i i think um you know things like that and um getting better at the creative side of things, you know, I, I get to oversee our social media here and I'm lucky to have some people that kind of do a lot of the video and some other people that do graphic design and I get to, to jump in there, but I'm more the strategy and execution. Once I have the pieces given to me, um, I'd like to, to get better at those things, but I'm also really appreciative of how much of a skill those things are, um, that, you know, you can teach yourself to a point, but I think people are inherently born with the ability to design at that high level or to, to shoot video and, and produce at that high level. Um, and I'm not quite sure, honestly, if I have those innate abilities, my second grade teacher would say I do not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, so how do I, how do I make the best of what I got? you know, and maybe translate that into building the staff of people and managing it that way. Um, that's a big goal of mine. Um, you know, and, and I'd like to, you know, I think that hiring process, that management of staff, you know, I do a little bit with our students, but you know, my boss, Mike Mahoney was in, uh, in Italy with our basketball team for two weeks in May. And so I, you know, was acting on his behalf at that point. And I learned very quickly, like how, maybe not ready I am to be in charge of things because the amount of like requests that were coming in that I'm like, what, how, how does he do all this and be our basketball SID at the same time? You know, I had, I told him that, you know, and, and I have a, a really newfound level of respect for what it takes to, to manage a, a, a big time staff of, you know, sports and people and things like that, because, you know, I, I, I get to work on my three sports and our social media and when need to can kind of step away and things like that. But I, you know, to have to be ready for everybody that comes at you like a boss does, um, you know, something I need to, to get better at and I want to. Work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? Um, I play a lot of hockey. Um, play on two men's league teams um, and probably take it entirely too seriously. Um, you know, we just lost in the playoffs the other night, so I was very heartbroken uh, to not to not win the championship. But, um, you know, that's a, it's exercise, it's stress release, uh, and things like that. Um, 
you know, that's a big thing for me. And now it's obviously spending time with my family. Um, it's amazing how quickly things are forgotten when you get home at night and you got a seven month old set of twins, just happy to see you. Um, it, it definitely refreshes you on what's important. Um, so that's, that's important to me. And I'm a huge sports guy and, you know, it's so cliche to like go home and watch sports to relax from your day of sports, I think. Um, but you know, but I love it. Like I love watching football. I love, I can watch any hockey of any level at any time. Um, you know, I, I really only need the sports channels on my television. Um, or because everything I like on television is on my DVD collection and stuff like that. I don't like any new television except for really game of Thrones. So like, you know, I'm watching, old office and uh seinfeld and 24 and the yeah. shield and things like that to relax so like if i could just have my dvds and like the 10 channels from nbc sports in philadelphia to the nhl network like i'm gonna be good to go i got a big one for you are you ready okay uh restaurant or bar recommendation next time someone's in philly okay if you're in philly and you're on penn's campus um the there's a couple. There's the place that we spend a lot of time uh, is Wahoo's Fish Tacos and more. Um, that's right on our campus. Um, they're they're a good friend of ours at Penn, uh, you know, and we spend a lot of time there, like during football season after games uh, and things like that. Um, and they they do great, yeah, great tacos and really good beer selection. Um, and then the uh, kind of the, the staple place on campus is a is an Irish bar called New Deck. Um, also, like three blocks from the Palestra, and that's the place. Like before Penn basketball games for years um, is the gathering point for the fans. Um, really cool Irish tavern. Uh, really good food. Really good beer. Big soccer bar, so gets a lot of play during World Cup and on Saturdays and Sundays with Premier League and and things like that. Um, so those are those are probably my two number ones uh, uh, as well. Uh, you know, there's um, there's uh, there's I mean, you can't go wrong in Philly. There's and if you're gonna get a cheesesteak, I'm sure that's the thing people want to know. Uh, <laughs> there's you know I I am a fan of of gyms on South Street um, and there's a place on our campus called Abner's that that's really good and they're they're fun if our basketball team scores 100 points in a game uh, you get free cheesesteaks if you with your ticket so uh, we did that this year for the first time in my time at Penn so that was really cool um, of course we did it like over break so it didn't get as much play but uh, but that's that's really you know a fun place with a lot of history on the walls as well uh, next time, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe say hi, follow up with you after this, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, you know, like all of us these days, I'm on Twitter, at Chaz Dorman, uh, C-H-A-S-D-O-R-M-A-N. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about social media, things I see from other people um, that, I, that I, I'm impressed with, talk a lot about the Red Sox and the Patriots and the Bruins. So if you're into those things, um, you know, I'm happy to, to chat as well. But, um, you know, I think I, I, I'd love – the conversations we have there and getting to talk with people like yourself and, and coordinate, um, you know, as much as possible, because I think we're, we're all, the great thing about our profession is we really are, we're competitive, but we're really assisting, assistant with each other as well, I guess, you know, we, we try to help each other get better. If you know how to do something, you're willing to teach other people. Um, and that may not happen with the teams we represent. I don't think Penn football is going to be teaching Princeton football how we defend so they can get better, but uh-huh. I'm going to work alongside the SIDs at Princeton if they know how to do something, um, you know, and, and that's that's really cool. And I think that's that can sometimes be difficult to either, A, admit you don't know something or, B, ask for help uh, from somebody you don't know. But the, some of the best advice I've gotten in this profession has been from people I've never met just by saying, hey, I see you're really good at this. 
like where'd you find how to do that and and go from there perfect you hear that people reach out to everyone reach out to one another so uh chaz thank you very much for coming on i really appreciate it you're a displaced uh patriots fan in philly and thanks for sticking with my schedule as i now have to take rock climbing on wednesday nights all right, mate. That sounds good. Stay uh, safe on the on the wall tonight, and uh, you know, good luck this season with everything. And uh, I look forward to to listening to your show, and you know, and getting to know all the people in this profession. And it's an honor. Thanks for for having me on. No problem. Thank you. Well, guys, there you have it, episode number 91 in the books. We are inching ever so closely to that episode 100 mark. We should hit that. I I think it'll be around November is when we'll hit that. Um, Plan on doing something for that week of uh, Cosida Recognition Week or Thank Your SID Week or whatever it's called. Um, But we will be doing something for that, and that's about the time that we might hit the 100 mark. Uh, Next week we'll have Sean Stevenson from the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, He's been a longtime listener. He's coming on. He's coming on the pod, uh, and we will talk a little bit about uh, why everybody overhypes the volleyball stats. I tried that for the first time a couple weekends ago, and uh, it was super easy. So we will talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about moving from an FCS school to a, a Power Five school because that's quite the leap, uh, and all that and more. Again, we do have T-shirts available through Cotton Bureau. For SIDcast, you can go to cottonbureau.com slash product slash SIDcast, S-I-D-C-A-S-T. You can find your shirt. There's like a tri-blend. Um, we were just looking at them a minute ago. A sweatshirt, there's women's sizes, there's uh, tees. Uh, it's all nice. So, And, and as I kind of took a little bit of a break from doing the intro and then doing this outro when they dinner and Morgan and I were uh, brainstorming different ideas on different shirts, and we will hopefully have those ready. Um, within the next couple months, couple weeks, we, we're not sure yet, but um, we will have that and more already. Sign up for our newsletter, sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter for our voting event coming in October because only those on the newsletter will be able to do that uh, and more. So rating reviewing, very important. Wherever you go to get your uh, podcasts, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes just a few seconds, literally just a few seconds. I rated uh, Order Man podcast the other day. You know how long it took me from the app? Probably a half a second to give him a five star. Um, so go overhead and do that. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms. So, guys, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.